Everybody, it's scaring is sharing. Yeah, it is. We share our scares. <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. With each other, with you. With the world. If you've never listened before, we talk about horror things, and then we give a movie to each other that we've not seen before, and we watch it and we talk about it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm Jeremy Rusk. And I'm Brandy Joe Planbeck, the Flame and Scream Queen. And I am the OG Sasquatch Slim. That's my persona I've claimed. Uh, and it's my buddies the other day were, uh, uh, who are also listeners, they were harassing, harassing me about, have you ever said where Sasquatch Slim even comes from? And that was a D&D character I played for years. That's what I named the character, Sasquatch Slim. And he's been my favorite Dungeons and Dragons character I've ever played. So I'm taking it and running with it run run yeah, far away so, from me so it's who i am <laughs> well hello it's good to see you jeremy it's good to see you i can't wait until we're in person together i mean okay <laughs> no <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i got my first movie tickets did you what are you going to see yep i'm gonna see scott pilgrim versus the world Oh. That's going to be my first movie back, I think. At least that's the first one I have movie tickets for. Very cool. So Scott Pilgrim versus the World is on May 7th. So I think the day that this drops... You're going to the movies. I'm going to the movies. And then also to Spiral on May 13th. Oh, cool. So I'm very excited. I'm going to see that on the IMAX, or the Minimax, as we like to call it. Have you seen Scott Pilgrim before? I have just once many, mm -hmm. many moons ago, but after we talked about it, it seemed, I was kind of excited to go see it again. Yeah, I, I was way into it, you know, around the time it came out and for a few years after that, it was definitely a movie. I've probably watched it half a dozen times or so back then, but I don't think I've sat through it all the way through in many years. So it, it's definitely one I keep thinking I should revisit and see if I still feel as strongly loving it as I did originally. Yeah, I'm excited to see it in the theater because I've only seen it on a few TVs ago. So a smallish TV like my TV mm -hmm. now is at least twice the size of the TV I watched on originally. And it mm -hmm. seems like a movie you want to watch on the big screen. Like it's oh, like sure. video gamey. And yeah, stuff. just right? cool visuals, special effects and sound effects like crazy cool music mm -hmm. cues. Yeah. My friend Tyler that I'm going to these movies with, he said that going back to the theater is a very visceral experience. He's been going for a, a couple of weeks now, I think. And he's just said it's like it's quite uh, an exciting experience going back after a long, a lengthy departure. Or I can imagine. Vacation. So I'm yeah, I haven't, I haven't been in a theater since, yeah, you know, the very beginning of 2020 then it's been over a year now so yeah yeah it's crazy so bring it on cool so we have an email yeah yeah we do we got a bit oh of fan God. mail amazing so this is from one rob yes my good friend rob i love him he's so cool and uh i will be doing the reading here yeah 
So Rob says, hey, Joe and Jeremy, appreciate the shout out on the show recently. Had some thoughts on some of the recent movies. I saw Crimson Peak a few months ago and thought it is competent and conventional. That is the way I feel about most Guillermo del Toro movies, competent and conventional. I don't know if we have the same definition of conventional, because I would say del Toro does a lot of unconventional things, but sorry, I'm going to be throwing my own commentary in here Uh, and wondering what the big deal is for being adequate with adequate resources. It looked very pretty. Yeah, sometimes a movie just has to look pretty, guys, but there were no scares in the gothic horror, just A to B to end plot. It was gentle, so was The Shape of Water. Uh, Man, we're going to have some then some fighting words. Me and Rob are going to have some exchanges here. I love Crimson Peak and I love Shape of Water even more. So I had been haranguing Joe about Shin Godzilla for a little while. I wasn't following the new series of movies. So when I tried to watch Godzilla versus Kong and found out it was only part of the Godzilla extended universe, I mostly became exhausted by the whole thing and was unentertained to the point that I didn't finish that movie. Ooh, that's uh, maybe it was because I sat through Godzilla King of the Monsters. I feel like that's a worse movie than Godzilla oh. versus Kong. Like Godzilla versus Kong is way easier to get through. Uh, I was also sick from shot number two, uh, but the lethargy may have kept me grounded longer than if I was healthy. Uh, I'm only leaving that last sentence in because if you read it in Marlene, in a Marlene Dietrich voice, I think it kind of works. Uh, I can't think of what she sounds like. Sorry. I can't so, either. I, I blew that joke. <laughs> I didn't know that Godzilla series fans had a split opinion about Shin Godzilla. You know, I feel like most most fans weigh in on the like Shin Godzilla is great, but I'm part of the other, like we said, that other minority that's kind of like, it was okay. I don't think it was the best. Uh, but now I know how, as a Star Trek fan, I feel about the J.J. Abrams movies. Uh, I think I can see where they may be coming from. Uh, I'm more of a Shin fan, perhaps, because I have no investment in the main sequence of movies. Really enjoyed that Shin Godzilla used the monster to tell a story about the notion and practices of bureaucracy in Japan. Those shots of meeting room after meeting room. I've seen that in international news stories of autonomy and disaster. See, this is part of why I thought Shin Godzilla was kind of wonky and boring is the fact that it like part of it was trying to do a satire of like uh, government bureaucracy in Japan and how they would re- you know, respond to natural disasters and things like that. And I'm like, this is really boring. <laughs> It's just guys in meetings, like, how do we deal with this? He says uh, of autonomy and disaster, situating it around Fukushima, tsunamis, climate change, and dread itself. Uh, It was created, this is Shin Godzilla, it was created by the creators of Neon Genesis Evangelion. That's a famous anime, Brandy Joe. I don't know if you... I am actually familiar with it because I had a friend who tried to get me to watch it once many, many moons ago, telling me how great it was, and I couldn't make it through, like, It's for nerds only. Uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which helped flesh out the look and choreography as well as the last shock scene of the film. Shin Godzilla was the Godzilla disaster done realistic and that aspect of it scared me. Uh, The dread had me at the end. Keep up the good conversation. I just deleted my Spotify account because Joe Rogan is anti-vaccination. So I'll see you on iTunes. Does Joe Rogan own Spotify? I don't understand that. No, uh, Joe Rogan got bought by Spotify. So his podcast is now like a Spotify exclusive. Oh, okay. And you know, he says and does some controversial stuff. So there's a lot of backlash against Spotify for platforming him. But Okay. Well, I'm glad we're not exclusively there. Although mm-hmm. I bet if they wanted to buy us, <laughs> I'd sell out probably. Money talks. So <laughs> um, 
But thanks, Rob. Very good. Yeah, we're going to have to cover Shin Godzilla at some point, I feel. Unless you've watched it, yes. No, I was like going to watch. I knew that this letter was coming. And so I was going to watch it like in prep of it. And then I fell asleep at like 8.30 last night. So So, yeah, we might have to check it out. I have it as a potential on the list to assign you. So if you keep keep holding off on it, I might give it to you. Yes. And if you're newish to the podcast, we this elusive list we talk about, we have sort of an ongoing list where each of us writes a movie that we've seen that the other hasn't seen. So we can refer to it from time to time in regards to our assigning. We try to track everything we've seen in the, or I should say watched for the show too. So we have it. Yeah. It's a big master Google sheets we share with each other. But usually if a movie's come out in the last couple of years, I know I can assign it to Jeremy because he watches nothing new unless I assign it to him. And pretty much typically the same goes for anything done before like 1980 yeah <laughs> so yep so it's pretty pretty easy to figure or if it's like <laughs> uh, like J- japan is wide open i've i'm a bit of yep. a japanophile i don't know what you call that you know i'm really into japanese film and i know that's a country is that's kind of a blind spot for you so there's a lot out of it there really that you've is. not seen where's one cut of the dead from oh that was japanese See, I, that was a shock that you had not seen that. And yeah. I had. That's because it was new. It, it You're came right. out in the You're last right. couple of years. So it was really yep. new. Yep. So I hadn't gotten around to it. I would never have watched it had it not been for It's Only a Podcast, who I know. They're like my podcast gods. I talk about them all the time. But I, they just went on and on about how good it was. I would have never in a million years watched it. But I'm so glad I have. And it's just so great. So if you have not seen it, go check it out. Go into it blind. It's delightful. Check it out and listen to our episode too after you do. Yeah, yeah. Go back and find it, episode number, whatever the hell it is, way back. So this week, my husband is on a podcast as well called Three Funny Ladies. He and our friend Susie, I produce it, which means like I edit it and do their social media and stuff like I do with ours. This week, they did Parker Posey, and I'm a big fan. She's like an indie, the indie queen, they call her. She's hilarious. She's so funny. She's so good. She's done so much. But we watched The House of Yes, which is based on a play. Have you seen it? No. Okay. Well, it's this really weird story. It's her, Freddie Prince Jr., you know, speaking of like 90s people, because it was done, I think, in the 90s, and Tori Spelling. It's a very weird little movie about this guy who comes home with his girlfriend to um, the house where like he grew up with like his twin sisters, Parker Posey, and their mom and his little brother are there. But anyway, we watched it and then Joe was doing some research on it. And he's like, did you know that the House of Yes is based on the fall of the House of Usher? And I was like, oh, now? Like after watching it, I would have never in a million years guessed that that's where it was sort of the idea was built upon because it's described as basically a gothic haunted house story where all the inhabitants are forever tainted by family secrets Uh and there's like it's about like a a, a pair of twins and are they twins in the house of usher the brother and sister or are they just siblings i think they're just siblings okay i could be wrong But there's like a storm, you know, and a newcomer Mm -hmm. who comes into the picture. So it's a really fucked up little indie film that I highly recommend checking out. It's it's a lot of fun. It's definitely not horror or horror adjacent, but Mm -hmm. it it's that's like the I mean, I love a good retelling where they really do something different 
with the tale as opposed to just rehashing it. So mm-hmm. I was it was very cool to find that out after the fact that it's like loosely based on it. And it made me want to watch it again. I just pulled it up to look at her filmography as well. Uh, and she did that the same year as Waiting for Guffman, mm. uh, which I was going to say that is my wife's all time favorite movie. So, oh, it's so good. Parker That's Posey the- is hilarious in it. So good. That's the other movie that they cover on the episode with Parker Posey. So mm-hmm. they cover those two. So check out Three Funny Ladies. They're so charming. Not as charming as you and I. No. But, you know. Who could be? Cool. <laughs> Who could be? <laughs> they're amazing, though. I love them. And Parker Posey is a goddess. So listen to it. And Joe rewatched Scream 3. He hadn't watched it in a long time, but he watched Scream 2 for their Laurie Metcalf episode. Mm. And it pains me to say, after watching Scream 3, he said it is his favorite Scream film, which hurts my heart. (laughs) That's the one I always skip because I remember it sucking. Oh, it's only good for Parker Posey and Wiener Dog. I mean, Wiener Dog's in it for like two seconds, but... And three has the random ass Jay and Silent Bob cameo. Yup. All about Hollywood. And Joe brought up a good point. Like, it feels like Parker Posey playing Gail Weathers is like new in the Stab movies, but they're on like Stab 3. And like Gail Weathers would have had to have been involved since Stab 1. But it sort of is set up in the plot that it seems like she's new to it, but they don't talk about how it got recast or anything along those lines. So that's a, I don't know that's quite a plot hole, but it's a little like, huh? Who knows? It's fun. Emily Mortimer's in it, which is kind of fun. And Jenny McCarthy. I like Jenny McCarthy. My husband's not as much of a fan. But the opening in part three is the absolute worst opening of all the Scream openings. Which one is that? The one where Cotton Weary and his girlfriend get killed. Oh, yeah. She's like in the apartment. And the other thing about Scream 3 that's just the most Scooby-Doo annoying aspect is that voice changer that can be anyone's voice magically. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I can buy it when it's just one voice. Like, this... This thing is made to duplicate one person's voice, you know, the the main voice it's used. But in Scream 3, it can be anyone. <laughs> and it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm trying to, I have not sat through 3 all the way through, probably since it like, came out. I don't remember it very well, but I remember catching scenes of it on TV and being like, this sucks ass, and then changing oh. the channel, so. But the scariest thing about it is Courtney Cox's bangs. They are so bad. (laughs) (laughs) It is so horrifying. They're just awful. Shots fired. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so that really hurt my heart. But um, and Scream was just back at the AMC. Did I talk about that in the last episode? I don't think so. Uh, Who knows? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) They all blend together. I just say stuff and then like, Friends or whatever will be like, hey, in that episode, I agree with you when you said blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this just comes out of my mouth and I forget it. Like, it just, <laughs> I don't know what I said. But Scream was just at the AMC Forum out in, I don't know where that is, Sterling Heights or wherever, um, for like a week. But I just missed it. And I, I'm not, mm. I'm still a few days away from being, you know, fully loaded, vaccinated. So mm-hmm. I'm waiting until those two weeks have passed so I can feel confident sure that you're good to go 
that I'm good to go. This is what real power feels like. That's right. But then, you know, watch out, world, because here I come. I'm going to be at the movie theater at least three times a week. <laughs> He's coming all over the place. <laughs> I don't think that's what you meant, but but oh, I, that's no. how I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch anything this week i uh i did wait before i get into that so i i did want to bring up my wife and i have created a new horror villain concept we're working oh. on uh so it all starts here's a little insight into our exciting lives uh my my wonderful wife sarah has decided she wants to get into rollerblading again because <laughs> she saw some people rollerblading was like i need to i need to do that again uh, so she's been shopping around for rollerblades, but she realized, hey, I might have some buried in the basement, you know, and all our junk we have down there. And she found them. She found them down there and brought them upstairs. And it's like, okay, time to check out if they're okay. But she like started to put her foot in it. And it's like, oh is my God. She's like, what is in there? Uh, and then we dumped it out and it was walnuts. One of the rollerblades was full of walnuts, unopened oh, walnuts. Oh my God. And that we're is just so weird. And we're just like, what's that about? <laughs> so we're like, is there a dude living in the basement? So I was like, oh, I hope so. I was like, the walnut man comes to your house. He stashes walnuts around. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you find him, maybe he kills you. But that's where we're workshopping it. The walnut man. I think that someone, someone or something has been turned into the walnuts. Like you think they're just walnuts, but there's something more to them is what I think is the case. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of people that are the walnut people that have been so, turned into walnuts. <laughs> so I'm thinking of something that it's going to be a spoof of Candyman, but mm. instead of a hook for a hand, he has a nutcracker. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> like a nutcracker for his hand that I don't know. <laughs> I could dig that. I could dig yep. it. The walnut man. He's coming for you. <laughs> so that's what we're working on now. Uh so if any listeners have any ideas, you know, hit me with your ideas about the walnut man. If anybody's an yeah. artist, draw me up a concept of the walnut man. I'm thinking, like I said, nutcracker for a hand. Almost like a ventriloquist dummy attached to yeah. his wrist, but it's a nutcracker that just takes a chomp out of whatever. Like one of those metal nutcrackers or like a nutcracker doll? See, I for a second, I thought maybe like one of the metal ones to be yeah. like the hook, but I think it'd be hilarious if it was like the head of a nutcracker doll. <laughs> <laughs> and it could have like metal teeth or something. And it could talk Especially too. if the back of his hand was the thing that opened and closed the mouth. Yeah. Like there's yep. like that handle. Yep, and it could move and talk. And it'd be like, <laughs> I'm going to kill you now. And it had like teeth. Yeah, and he talks to it. Yeah. Yep, I think I somebody that. draw that. If you're an artist, <laughs> draw that up for us. And I didn't say it after Rob's email, but scaring is sharing at gmail.com or just slide into our DMs on the Insta. Scaring is sharing. We'll find you. But anyway, I digress. What I did watch this week, the only thing of note was uh, I watched another Val Luton flick. Oh, uh, another it, one from Shudder? It would, yeah, and I'm not sure. I don't know if they're all on there anymore or not, because it was one of those like they had that the Val Luton collection for like a month, and then you know, because some of these streaming deals only last for a limited time. But okay, uh, I watched. It's called Isle of the Dead, uh, which I'd heard good things about before. Like that's one of those like film nerd movies that had floated around. I know Martin Scorsese calls it one of his favorite horror movies of all time. Oh Marty! Oh Marty! It stars uh, Boris Karloff. 
but not as like the monster slash bad guy. So it was, it's fun to oh. see him like get to flex some different acting muscles. Cause you get so used to watching old movies of him where he's the bad scientist or he's a monster. So it was cool to see him just as a like lead. Uh, he played like a still a stern military, you know, man, but uh, it was interesting to see him not as the bad guy, but it was pretty cool. And it seemed very timely for right now. People were wearing masks because part oh. of the plot was they're on this island where the plague is killing people left and right. So, you know, they're and it ties into this whole like vampire type legend. And it was pretty cool. And like all of these Val Luton flicks, you know, it takes twists. Uh, you expect it to be like a full blown monster movie and it's something way more meditative, much like cat people. It's really something more mood driven and meditative and goes directions. You don't even, you know, think it's going to go. Okay. Uh, so very cool stuff. Fun. Yeah. So I recommend that one. If you come across it, give it a watch. I do feel cool. like it's, since you liked cat people so much, you probably would really enjoy a lot of those other uh, Val Luton horror movies that he produced all at like the same time. So. What would you call a Val Luton super fan? Like a Luton head? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Luton head. Uh, <laughs> like a, a lemon head? A, a loot, a loot. I'm trying to think of lunatic, but loot, lutanatic or something. Lutanatic. <laughs> it's a little hard to say, but I like it. Yeah, that. it is. Yeah. So last week we talked about, I know what you did last summer. And I'm mm -hmm. curious, are you a fan of urban legend? I remember liking it. When it came, it's another one. Like there's so many of these movies that are like the movies of my teenage years, uh, my my youth, my youth, uh, when they were coming out that I remember enjoying them, but I've not seen it since, and I barely remember a thing about urban legend. Okay, I love it, and there were lots of urban legends I'd never heard about because I was maybe a sophomore in college when it came out, a freshman or a sophomore, and so you know I left my very secluded small town in wyoming and i started like like around the time that movie came out was the first time i ever heard about like the high beams urban legend mm. about pop rocks sure I, I think the only one i really knew in it was like the person in the back seat of the car mm -hmm. and also the because i'd heard about the very beginning of college the aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights story Mm -hmm. that Danielle Harris gets killed. And I, and I remember I was so excited that Danielle Harris was in it. And I just remember like she was into lithium and like she was on some chat room and she's like, are you into lithium? And I'm like, that's so weird. Like at the time and even now I'm like, were people into lithium? Yeah, like, were they? Apparently she was goth and she liked lithium. Weird. Well, that is a drug, right? As I yeah. say it, I think of batteries. <laughs> I only, no, lithium, I, if, unless I'm wrong, all I remember it is it's like a mood stabilizer they would give to like psychotic people. Um, okay. But I thought that it, it was outdated. Like it's a really, really old drug, like, you know, from long ago that they pretty much phased out because it's like not good for you. But <laughs> I, that's how I remember it. Maybe it's opium, but I'm pretty sure it's lithium. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know people took it recreationally. I only know it as a I psychiatric drug, like an old school psychiatric drug. Or I think of the Nirvana album. Yeah, she she's a lithium abuser. Mm -hmm. Her character's name was Tosh. <laughs> like before Tosh 2.0, is that what that show's called? Yeah, Tosh Point oh, or Tosh Point like oh, yeah. Before him was Daniel Harris, so. The original Tosh. And Robert England's in it. And mm. Rebecca Gayhart, she was my favorite part about it because I love her, the Noxzema girl. And they make some reference to the no Noxzema girl in it. 
But that, she, do you remember her with the curly, curly hair? Mm-mm. She was in a few other 90s things. And then she, in real life, I think, was in some sort of car accident and she killed a little boy. Like, I feel like she hit a little kid and he died. And she really never worked after that. So that's unfortunate. But I used to love her. I love she's in Scream 2 as well. She's one of the sorority girls along with like um, uh, Ellen DeGeneres' girlfriend from Arrested Development. What's her name? The blonde hair gal? Portia. Portia de Rossi. Portia de Rossi. Thank you. Yeah, I loved loved her. But Alicia DeWitt is really boring as the lead, I, I feel. And Joshua Jackson's in it and Jared Leto. Like, again, a who's who of the 1990s. Holy like, crap, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty awesome. I, I, I enjoy it. I think I've seen, I think there's three or four of them, and I've seen three of them, and they just get dramatically worse as you keep going. Sure. So. Okay. Yeah, I got to revisit that. I haven't seen, there's all these like 90s, late 90s slashers that like, beyond Scream, which of course is just a great movie. So I've revisited it many times, but uh, all the others, I know what you did last summer, Urban Legend. I feel like there's got to be a couple more in there. Those are the big three that I remember. I think there's like a couple lesser ones. I've never seen Idle Hands, but I think that's from the 90s. It's not so much like a killer story as like a, a yeah. hand. Very I liked death. I liked that one. I mean, Cherry Falls is from then. So like uh, all, all uh-huh. of these, like there's some lesser ones that like I was, I loved all of them, but I don't remember most of them. So <laughs> I need to like revisit some of these. Tonight I'm visiting my friend Ben and his boyfriend Alex. We're going to hang out. It's been a long time coming. We haven't seen each other since like Christmas. And we're going to play the Shining board game. Oh, cool. So I will report. I haven't played a board game in years. Like, I don't remember the last board game I played. So mm-hmm. I'm very, I played a lot of Jackbox in the last year and a half, but mm-hmm. a straight up old fashioned board game. It's been many, many moons. So I will report back and let you know how that is. But I'm intrigued cool. to see what the fuck it's all about. Yeah, I'd like to. Uh, I think that would be a fun event episode or something to do. Uh, we play the Shining board game together mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. So I think that would be fun. I also today watched a video about like every Stephen King adaptation that's coming out in the works right now. It was like 20 minutes long, the video, because it just kept going. I was going to say, aren't there about a, aren't a, there's like a billion of them constantly in development? A billion. But the most intriguing of them and the most baffling is the one called Cujo, but it's C period U period J period O period, which stands for oh, yeah. canine unit joint operations. I read about that like ages ago where they're like, they're doing another Cujo yet. It barely has anything to do with the <laughs> yeah. source material. And you're like, what's even the point then call it something else. Yeah. It sounds more like a remake of man's best friend. If you remember that, I never saw it. Was it horrible? Yeah, I remember it. I remember as a kid being like, this seems so scary, but I I was like a child when it came out and it's just about a dog. That's like a robot dog or something. It's like a genetically engineered killer dog and Lance Henriksen's in it. Oh, so that's all I remember about it. Yeah, it's not good. I would check it out if it comes out. And that original scared the shit out of me. So that was like such a classic movie. But the book, I can't imagine, like, because the movie, I think about them being trapped in the car at the end. But I, mm-hmm. that's like all I can remember about the movie. And I feel like the book, from what I understand, is a lot more about, like, like many Stephen King books, like the secrets of the town and things like that. Have you read it? 
Did I read Cujo? I feel like I read it in college. Yeah, I want to read it. At some point, uh, but I don't remember it very well. Okay. Maybe I read parts of it. I don't know. I feel like there was there was a, it, you know, in college, I was cycled through so much, uh, like, between movies, comic books, regular novels, like, people giving me flash drives full of shit. Like, at some point, I think I read part of that, like, manuscript or whatever, but uh, I don't remember it very well. The other thing that I think sounds really fun is one of the TV stations is supposedly doing a Carrie limited series, and they've talked about Carrie being either a trans actress or a person of color or both. And mm. I think that could add a really cool element to mm -hmm. the very well-tread story of Carrie. I don't know if Carrie's got like potential for franchise, but I feel like it's a fun concept. You could do other stuff with it instead of just constantly remaking the plot of the novel. Like, I feel like there's somewhere else they could go with it. So I really want like a real radical departure from uh, already. How many times has it been remade? Like four, the, like the original story. So yeah. Are you, did you like Carrie to the rage? <laughs> uh, I don't remember it like at all. Oh my um, God. Yeah. yeah. There was that one. There was the TV movie. There was the most recent remake Chloe, with Chloe Moretz. Yeah, yeah it was kind of unnecessary. So, so I don't know. Necessary. And I was so excited because I think Kimberly Pierce directed it who did boys don't cry. So I was very much excited for what she would do with it. And while having some of the social media stuff be a part of it was the most interesting part about it. Like mm -hmm. Chloe Moretz was so miscast and I love her, but yeah, like, they just no. should have done something more interesting with the role of Carrie. And then like she used her hands a lot and I loved that the original, she just would stand there and things would happen. And mm -hmm. in this one, she's all like molding things and moving her hands around. I'm like, yeah. okay. She did a lot down. of the, the wizard, yes. <laughs> wizard powers. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, shall we get to our movies? I guess that's it. Let's do it. Well, since this weekend is a Mother's Day, we both had the same idea that we would give each other <gasps> Mother's, Mother's Day. Because <laughs> I haven't seen the trauma one and Jeremy hasn't seen the Rebecca De Mornay one. <laughs> yep. So that's it, guys. This is the Mother's Day special I've been calling. That's right. It. So we are we're doing both versions of Mother's Day. Yep. So uh, <laughs> what I'll I'll tell you what I think I know of yours. I mean I think that the the thing that ties them together is that there's some sort of badass mom in the way that badass meaning she's kind of bad. <laughs> she's kind of a cruel mom to some degree who's overly protective of her sons. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm very, I, I know just enough to be dangerous about the trauma one. I think that there's something with a motorcycle and someone gets their head cut off or something. Like, I feel like there's, am I, or am I thinking of, a, I'll have to wait and see, but I feel wait like someone's see. on a motorcycle and there's like a hatchet or someone's head gets cut off. And I feel like I've also seen something on In Search of Darkness. I think that the, what do you know of the Rebecca De Mornay version? Like very little. I remember when we covered uh, uh, Return to Newcomb High, uh, that doing the background of that, I learned that Troma had cut a deal in the, you know, the 20 aughts with uh, Anchor Bay Entertainment, that production company. And that deal produced uh, the Mother's Day remake 
and then return to Newcomb High. So I know that Mother's Day is a is of course a remake because they had to buy the trauma property, but I'm not sure how much it follows the plot of the original. Cause I seem to remember when it came out, a lot of people are like, it's pretty much it's mother's day and name and concept only. Like it has very little to do with the original movie. So I guess I think it's in a different situation. I feel like I remember trailers. Cause I, I remember it being one of those movies that was like on every single horror DVD that you would pop in that fucking trailer was on the beginning of the disc, like for a long time. So I think it's more of a home invasion story, like all of the strangers or something like that. But it's like the evil mom is the one leading the family of maniacs. So uh, that's what I think it's about. I think it's like they hold some people hostage or something. And, you know, they're just, they're crazies. Allah, you know, the whole like Charles Manson cult kind of concept where it's like, you have the domineering mom and, Everybody else just follows her to a maniacal, you know, obsessive degree. So, yeah, and the trauma one, I imagine, I think it's a trio. Like, I think it's two sons and the mom. And I imagine them to be a little bit more gritty and homegrown is the word that comes to mind or the words. But I like, like, I feel like they live in like a cabin or something. I don't think it's as silly as like Toxic Avenger, but I think there's definitely going to be some humor to it and a little bit out there and i hope some some nice gore i love the poster for it the poster is just fantastic it's got a really cool poster yeah and yeah. i love the font mother's day mm -hmm. that they use on is it like poster. bloody yeah it's like dripping blood yeah yeah, yeah the poster so. for the rebecca de mornay one is just awful it's just like her standing there yeah it's just her standing and it's like i remember that's one where i feel like it's pretty well received by the horror like world at large like i seem to remember it being a thing that people are like it's kind of a hidden gem but it had like terrible promotion. I just remember that that poster's terrible. The trailer that I remember just being like, Ugh, it was like not an exciting trailer at all. So I'm excited to actually see the movie and see what it's about. Yeah, one of my early 2000s Scream Queens is in it. So I'm really excited to see her again because it's been a long time. So cool. Yeah. Well, let's have at it. All right. See you in a minute. See you guys soon. Blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creators. What up, motherfuckers? Yeah, motherfuckers. Welcome <laughs> back. Beyond to the Mother's Day special. <laughs> You motherfuckers. You motherfuckers. Okay. <laughs> well, here we are. We're back. Before we go on, if you sure. are a mother, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what, guys? If it's you, if it, that's your prerogative, do something nice for your mom. Do something nice for your mom. Or if you are a mom, even to a pet or uh, an idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for your service. Service keeps us sober. <laughs> just just as long as you're not mother to like redneck murder hillbillies, then you should keep those boys away from other people. But yeah, um, I digress. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, as I keep calling this, it's the Mother's Day special. So we're going to start things off with Mother's Day, the 1980 OG. And let's see. The tagline is, if you go down to the woods today, 
And that's kind of a weird tagline. It just stops there. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> why that's that. But the synopsis is three girls discover that two men are willing to do anything to impress mother. And what impresses mother is watching her sons commit acts of rape and murder. Now these women are prisoners and lowered to pawns in the game of checkers between two dimwits and their maniac mommy. And the question becomes, can any of them escape alive? Okay, so I have a funny story. Sure. So I have like a special site that I watch a lot of things on. So I was watching this on there, okay? Mm -hmm. And the quality is pristine, just like it was made yesterday and put out on Blu-ray. Like it looked gorgeous. So we're in that opening scene. I'm like, oh my God, Lady Gaga's in this because that blonde lady looks just like fucking Lady Gaga in that opening sequence. Yeah. And they get to like after the meeting and they're like, oh, we need a ride. And the mom's like, I'll give you a ride. And then we go to Muttertagen. The title <laughs> screen comes up. And I'm like, that's weird. Mo no, Muttertag. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, well, this must be like some foreign thing. I'm also like, that's like a weird cut. And then we never go back to this couple. And I'm like, that is weird. And I'm going along with the movie. I'm enjoying it. Things are fun. And then we get to like the first murder sequence and then the second. And I'm like, this is not like the trauma that I know. Like, why do we like show this girl with this guy out on the park bench and then we cut to the next day? Like, this is so like tame. I'm like, this would, I write a note, this would be so much more fun if it was more violent. It finishes, I'm telling Joe about the next day. And he's like, I saw that in the theater. And I was like, oh, you did? Or I don't know if it's a theater, but he saw it when it came out. Yeah. And um, he's like, doesn't someone get like stabbed in the crotch with like a hatchet? And I'm like, no. And he's like, I'm pretty sure they did. And I'm like, huh. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I uh, The movie I watched was an hour and 17 minutes long. I pull it up on IMDb. It says it's an hour 30. And uh -huh. then I start doing some research. There was a version, AKA the version I watched, that was cut 13 minutes shorter. 13 minutes cut out. Uh -huh. So I go back download the correct one and rewatch all the scenes and i'm like oh my god <laughs> wow. so what is it was that like a tv cut or something like that no i mean it was some like foreign cut made for like people of 16 years of age and older but it so wasn't like a tv cut but it's like a like i don't know what that is german muttertag yeah that's german but it's some like foreign cut. So they cut the violence out though, like the gore. All of it. Like literally that opening segment, the mom's like, I'll give you a ride home. And then we go into the story. There's nothing about them getting killed. Oh, geez. So and that's, that a, that's an awesome scene too. When the guy gets his like head cut off. One of the best. Yeah. It's so good. It was so great. So I mean, I have, so I have to ask too, did that cut have the rape scene still in it? No. That was okay. pretty rough, yeah. Okay, I was going to assume then if they cut the gore, they had to have cut that as well. So this is like, they made like a teenager's cut. They also cut out penis. You see, uh, yeah. what's the, Dauber? Yeah. Oh my God, he's so hairy. I love Dauber. But you see his penis as well in the, the, the regular version. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 13 minutes. Not just like a little trim here and there, like literally giant. No, that's chunks scenes. of the movie. Like whenever there was a cut, it was like, they're like, well, we need to shave off like five minutes here. So let's just cut this entire piece of film. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, well, now that you've seen everything and the correct stuff. Now that I've stuff, seen it all. What are your thoughts? I thought it was a lot of fun. I wish there was more of the mom, even in like when I watched the the scenes that were cut. I feel like there wasn't enough of her. I wanted more of her mm-hmm. than there was. The thing I liked the most about this movie is the end. I was like hoping that's where we were going to go, like the very, very end with Queenie. Like yes. I was like, please let something happen with Queenie. The way they set it up with the ear and stuff, I'm like, it's got to be a thing. So sure. I was just waiting for that. It just felt like like Last House on the left meets Wrong Turn. And I know like Wrong Turn wasn't a thing at this time, but mm-hmm. sort of, I guess, also Last House on the left meets Hills Have Eyes. Like it sort of felt like this meshing of the two, like a yeah. more fun version of both of those, but similar vibes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a movie that like, you know, it falls into what they would call the rape revenge uh, subgenre. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, it, I, I kept thinking of a more fun I spit on your grave or oh, or yes. uh, or of course Last House on the Left. And then every time I watch a movie like this, one of my main thoughts though is it always reminds me again, I'm like how much a masterpiece the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is because it casts mm. such a long shadow because like all of those things are just ripoffs of Texas Chainsaw, really. Like that's the one that did the whole like murder hillbillies, people trapped in the middle of nowhere getting killed. Like that's the OG of that storyline. And it's become such a shorthand of our like pop culture. Like a movie like this, you can just see them and you're like, they're no good. They're up to no good. Like you don't even need an explanation for these guys because it's mm-hmm. so ingrained. Murder hillbillies are so ingrained in our subconscious or pop culture subconscious that you just take it at face value yep it is so true and i mean texas chainsaw massacre no one does it like them and grittiness and and also just like not having to show a lot but you thinking you're seeing a lot more than you do and just like one of the creepiest villains like ever Mm -hmm. just so creepy and they don't like there's a little bit of uncomfortableness with like i think how they deal with sally in particular Mm -hmm. i'm not a big fan of rape revenge or just rape in movies like it's Mm -hmm. i'd be fine not seeing it there's some movies i like that deal with that like i really loved revenge which i don't think you've seen right no it's made in like the last five years or so. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's in that vibe. And there's a couple older movies I'd like to rewatch that deal with some of those sorts of themes. But just in the last few years, they make me even more uncomfortable. And when I watched the unedited version of the park bench scene, I was just like, ugh. Like, God, it's it so uncomfortable. When it hits, you're oh. like, this is the, that's the point of the movie where you're like, yep, this is just here to fuck with the audience so hard. Like it's, you know, that's the intent. It's one of those things too in movies where I think about how personally, and again, I think kind of like you, over the years I've become more, like I used to just be like, I'll watch any movie and the more fucked up, the better, like put anything in there. Like I'm all about it. Uh, And over the years I've gotten more and more like, that's just, I don't know, it hits too hard now and I'm not as, I'm turned off when a movie usually like goes that direction. But that being said, I think filmmakers, you know, I'm not here to censor anybody. I think you should be able to put whatever you want in your movie, mm-hmm. but I do think you should be intelligent about it and know what you're doing. Like if you're going to include, especially a subject matter, like sexual assault in that way, like 
be smart about it. Know what you're doing. And it better be there for, you know, a good reason. Yeah, I'm a little all over the place in regards to this. But like, I I guess I almost like it more when the person who is sexually assaulted does get the revenge themselves, (laughs) as opposed to getting like killed, like in this movie, like she suffers it all and she dies on top of it. Granted, it's about her friends coming back and like seeking revenge Mm -hmm. and getting revenge and stabbing that guy in the crotch and things like that. But yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm like you, like I I I don't feel like there are things we shouldn't do in movies, but it it does just hit me differently as I'm getting older, mm-hmm. and just I feel just the way that the world has sort of evolved in the stories we think are important and how they should be told. So I don't know. I guess tomorrow I may th- say something totally different, but mm-hmm. but it did like I watching it as it was originally it was a little like yeah it's it's that it's rough it's rough especially in this kind of movie too where uh, it totally doesn't feel like it's gonna go there like that dark like for everything before that like it's it's you know violent and dark but you're like i don't think they'll cross that line that far as they do but yeah and this is a weird movie too because it's trauma but it's pre-toxic avenger so they don't yet have the, like, we're going to do horror, but we're going to do it, like, mixed with slapstick. Like, we're not there yet. So okay, there is, like, weird ho- trauma horror in, or uh, humor in this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not, like, fully realized, like, the way Toxic Avenger is the one that, like, was the birth of the trauma style as we know it. So that was still a few years off. Yet also watching that scene in the beginning with the couple from the group, like, him repeatedly, like, punching the girl Mm-hmm. on top of the car i'm just like Ugh, like it just things like that are just but it's, I, intense. I mean, it's, it's horror it is it, we're supposed to go to these places we're supposed to hate these guys and so they're showing us these things that really make us hate them and really root for the girls to seek get revenge and i guess the fact that they do get revenge spoiler alert is very much what we're going for and what we're rooting for and what mm-hmm. we get. And it's yeah. much more satisfying than a movie where it's, it's so complete. satisfying when they just just fucking destroy these guys at the end. Drano down the throat is such an awesome weapon <laughs> when they just dump it down yes. his throat. Like I loved that so much. And hey, he always wanted to be on TV. And then when they just kill him with a TV, like that's uh I love the uh poetic justice there. And then the mom getting killed with a boob. With a blow up doll. Or blow up doll, yeah. Yeah, well, it's the boob of the like blow up fucking whatever <laughs> sex toy of some kind. And it's so great that it's see through. Like that yeah. is just so awesome. And that's a, another weird cut that was in the version I watched. Like she's the girl's like killing her with the boob. And then like it cuts to her like crying, but she doesn't. Sorry, this was a couple of days ago. But as she's killing her, she like hears like voices in her head of like her mom and things like that. There's like these voices that are happening as she's killing her. And that's cut out mm. of the and I just looked it up. It's the West Germany version. In order to secure a not under 18 rating, they cut out 13 minutes. Oh, so yeah, West okay. German. Weird. So weird, but like just some of the weird things that they cut, just so bizarre. Something I learned too researching this that's uh, totally wild is this movie was shot at the same time, literally across the same lake from the original Friday the 13th. Oh, well, that makes so much sense. 
Yeah, and they actually had a shared rap party when both movies finished. They had one big party of both movie productions. <laughs> that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I want that, please. Yes, yeah, that's incredible. And it's funny that they both end in such a similar way, too. Like, were they sharing ideas with each other? Because, you know, oh Friday the 13th ends with the jump scare of Jason coming out, the urban legend, you know, the yeah. ghost story of the movie come to life. Well, and this yes. does the same thing with Queenie. Yeah, it does. Where you spend the whole time being like, is Queenie real or is mom just crazy? Uh, and then she shows up as like a beast woman that jumps out of the trees and attacks them. Do you think that Queenie was tormenting the mom like she said or was the mom just using her as a thing to get to her sons but queenie really was still alive i want to say both (laughs) i like the idea that the mom was just fucking with them the whole time just to get what she wanted but then it was just so happened that queenie was also real i have a whole like as the movie ends too i'm like i have the unmade mother's day two in my brain where the chicks now have to fight (laughs) queenie And and like Queenie's got some other like a bunch of their relatives are like crazy, like Sasquatch people in the woods that they have to fight off. I love that ending. It's just so funny. It like does like this weird, like the speed is funky, like her, and then like she jumps and it's just like this, like ultra, like slow mo And then it stops and you're like, I I, like it's so corny, but that's a corny, like cliche. I love I love that final jump scare if it's done well. Yes. Where yes. you're like, oh, there's one more monster or whatever. Like that's that's out of nowhere. That's always great. Yeah, I was kind of because I the whole time was thinking, well, Queenie's got to be real. And I was hoping that she was going to somehow, as opposed to sort of being like this monster at the end that attacks the girls, that she was going to help them, that she was going to be a part of like the That's plot. what I thought, too. Like at some point she would show up and like attack the mom or something. But- yeah. I like that idea a little better. I love the mom. I mean, really. Yeah, she's great. The the family is great. Like, I imagine Mm -hmm. also, I imagine those sons are like super hot out of their like crazy getup. Like if the one takes out his fake teeth, I bet he's like super cute. Like, I'm like, I bet these guys are like, here I am like fantasizing about these like, you know, (laughs) redneck perverts. Cause I I just, I'm like, I think they look cute. (laughs) You're like, I'll go hang out with them. (laughs) Dauber, Addy, Ike, get on over here. Yeah. Let's have a party. But the character designs are so good too for the, the family. Like just the like Ike with his weird pilot's cap with the goggles and then Adley has the the burlap sack mask when they're out running around like doing their their thing like it's so creepy you see them and you're immediately like they're bad news like you know right right away like it does the costume does all the talking for them so it's like doesn't even matter what the performers do but they were still great just totally psycho I also like I really loved the credit sequence when you were seeing the slideshow because normally that sort of thing can be a little annoying to me, mm-hmm. but I thought it was so well done, like with like their shadows and with how they talked over it. It felt so natural and real, and I l- actually loved that. I loved the credit sequence. I just thought it was so cool and so funny, and it wasn't like too much of this or too much of that. I just thought it was really clever, and I really loved it. Yeah. And then, like, I loved that they sort of play these jokes on each other. Although, like, that thing with, like, the plastic, I mean, the paper bags and stuff was so weird. Like, I'm like, yeah. I don't get what I the fuck get, is going on. I don't get that either. <laughs> but I kept waiting. I'm like, well, where is that going to come into play in their revenge? And I wish it would have gone a little, that something further would have happened than just her running in with a pretend knife stuck in her back at that one point. Like, I wish there would have been 
more use of it in their revenge somehow. Because I'm like, we're setting it up so hardcore, like it's got to come back. But then it came back so just like very minorly and not even like really, it didn't even like really make sense why they did it the way they did. So mm-hmm. I was just like, wanted that to be used, that device a little stronger sure. than it was. And I do love their relationship, the girls in this. Like it feels like a very authentic, you know, college kids out to have fun kind of thing. Uh, I think it worked because mm-hmm. I'm in. I actually care about them. So, you know, watching the movie, uh, it, it helps because, you know, you're in it with them. You know, I really want when they get their revenge, I'm so pumped for them to just kill these guys that you're like, yes. And that one time when she's hiding from I don't remember which one it is, Ike or Adley, whichever is the tall, skinny one. And she's Ike. reaching Ike, she's reaching for that rock. And it feels like a five minute scene of her hand just like reaching for uh-huh. this rock. It goes on so long. I'm like, just grab the fucking rock already. I thought he was gonna chop her hand off. Uh-huh. And he didn't. And and <laughs> you he- <bitch>. <laughs> Uh, and uh, one more note too for the trauma fans. This movie was directed by Charles Kaufman who is the brother of Lloyd Kaufman, you know, the co-founder of Troma. Charles was a, 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 he directed a couple of movies for Troma. Uh, I saw, I, I looked him up online. Apparently he was a creative consultant for whatever that means for both Toxic Avenger and Class of Newcomb High. But I guess Charles made a movie, it's called Jakarta. I don't know much about it. It was in the late eighties. He did it at some sort of like espionage thriller. That was a co-production between Troma and some Indonesian like production studio. Uh, and the Indonesian studio like took over the distribution of it. And they just like mismanaged it. They like did not release the movie anywhere and it made no money. So that mm-hmm. kind of like that experience apparently burnt Charles Kaufman so much that he left the movie industry and now he runs an artisanal bakery in Los Angeles. Oh, Charlie. Oh, Charlie. So it's like, oh, it could have been the Kaufman brothers, but Charlie, Charlie's not like Lloyd. He couldn't just keep doing this for, you know, 40 plus years, just cranking out the, cranking out the hits. I also, I was surprised they were able to get the rights for, I think we're alone now, but I also don't know how big of a hit that was pre-Tiffany. Sure. And, and, you know, rights are such a weird thing, like jumping back, like pre nineties, it seems like people were not as litigious about but that. But then we talked stuff. about Nosferatu and the rights there and how they weren't. Yeah, that was, yeah. That's a, like a weird moment. Like, cause I, 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 in old movies all the time, I see shit like they have, they're drinking Coca-Cola or things like that. And you're like, companies used to not care as much like where their mm-hmm. product was or like if you used it or not. Now it's like, you can't do anything without getting your ass suit off if you didn't. Uh, clear at first so i wish that i think we're alone now would have come back at the end somehow like mm-hmm. just again i just i love the song i mean more the tiffany version than anything but oh, yeah the tiffany version is a total banger so oh yeah a mall rager yes but i was just hoping it was going to come back mm-hmm. but yeah it was fun aside from i mean especially in the first version i watched nothing happens for 30 minutes yeah if everything's <laughs> cut out it's like it's probably super fucking boring the gore is great in this all the gore scenes like it's it's fun so it's from that time when blood is like paint like blood is so red it's so red and it just spews you know spurts and spews i love it 
So I totally thought this was a movie where someone was on a motorcycle and got their head cut off. And it's not this movie. Were you thinking of Friday the 13th, uh, one of those? Because that happens in one of them. Oh, no. And I, I don't know if I'm getting it mixed up because he does get his head cut off in that first scene. If somehow I'm getting I getting signals crossed and that yeah. is what I'm thinking of, but it's from something else. I just always thought in this movie, someone was driving a motorcycle and got their head chopped off. I don't know. Yeah, there's that scene um, in Friday the 13th, part five, where the hillbilly asshole character, he's like all pissed off and he's riding his dirt bike around in circles. And then, J- well, fake Jason comes out and chops his head off. Maybe. Yeah. That's a cool scene. Yeah. I mean, aside from that, all my other things were right, but it was, you know, yeah. it's pretty easy to to come by and know what this is all about. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it. It's like uh, I, I've heard this genre, subgenre referred to as spam in a cabin, uh, oh. which is always just, you know, get them out like Evil Dead or this movie uh, in more recent movies, Cabin Fever. You get them out into the middle of nowhere and just start killing people. I dig it. Yep. Cool. Well, yeah. Um, so out of ooh, let's see out of five inflatable boobs, mm. <laughs> how many do you give this flick? I'm going to give it three. Okay. Three inflatable titties. I give it three and a half. So we just missed out on the scare of approval. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because this is a flick. I actually hadn't seen it it until the first time was like this past year. So this is a pretty recent watch for me. And the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, it's like a mediocre flick. But I just like was re-watching it right before we started recording. In fact, I was skimming through and re-watching stuff. And I'm like... No, this is this. I like this more than a three. I'll probably be revisiting this movie more now that I'm aware of its existence. And it's one of the, I would say it's one of the better trauma flicks. Yeah, it's fun. Mm-hmm. So there we go. All right, let's move on to 2016 with Jennifer Aniston, Julia Roberts, and Timothy Oliphant. Mother's Day. Actually, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of wish that was the one. Actually. <laughs> Okay. Just kidding. We're going to 2010. And this one equally has a very short little tagline. Don't misbehave. And the synopsis crazed members of a sadistic family return to their childhood home to terrorize the new owners. Okay. Well, (laughs) uh, I'm going to get this off my chest. You finally did it to me. (laughs) This was a chore to sit through. So uh, long. I did not enjoy this movie that much. Yeah, it's way too fucking long. As soon as it started and in the first scene, then I checked the runtime and I was like, oh, good Lord. Like, I can't <laughs> believe this is almost two hours long. Like, no way. Yeah, it should not be. It should not be that long. This movie just pales in comparison to the original, like in every conceivable way for me. Like, I... Uh, it was rough. <laughs> Too many characters. Why are there so many fucking characters in this movie? So many. I think like at one point there's like 12 people in that house. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. First off, like the movie starts and I was immediately like, okay, we have a bunch of yuppie scum. I don't care about any of these people in this house party. Like not the, the movie just did nothing to really like, it tried too late by giving any backstories to like anybody or any like, development like that all happens at the end of the movie like most of it i'm like i don't know these people i don't care what happens to them and the weird thing with this movie is like i feel like every role was miscast virtually 
Like, it's not like anyone was like particularly terrible. It's just like, I didn't buy like any of them as the character they were supposed to be, especially the murder family, like the Adley Ike characters in this. I'm like, they get these pretty boy like actors in there that I'm like, they, I don't buy them as murderous psychopaths. Like, again, we were just talking about the character design and an easy answer to that I thought was like, they should look like Charles Manson, like walking it, like, you know, something that immediately tells me that like, they are bad. Like, where's the crazy costumes, you know? I was thinking like, if they looked like the Firefly family from like Rob Zombie's movies or like the vampires from Near Dark, like that would have sold it. Like something gritty, like immediately like outlaws, dirt, you know, scary, grimy people, but they're too pretty. And they weren't believably crazy. Like, I don't know. It was really, I don't know what you thought. But <laughs> I got really hung up on that. I'm like, I don't buy the terror from these people. I like that they're prettier. I like that it's different in that way. I wouldn't have minded them looking a little grittier, but I, I especially love Rebecca De Mornay's contrast to the mother from the original that she's very well put together like i buy her a hundred percent i mean i'm a big fan of hand that rocks the cradle so i love her as like a crazy psycho it feels like she was in a different movie <laughs> like her performance for the most part to me where i'm like okay okay but like everybody I, it just something didn't gel to me i don't know it was there there's that moment though where <laughs> it's this was a it gave me a laugh out loud moment because it was just so wonkily delivered but at the end when she's like your baby's dead to jamie <laughs> king and i was like okay that's a, that was a bad line read there like they should have redone that that was that scene came out really weird i love jamie king and she was the queen of like weird horror remakes. yeah she was like, for a minute wasn't she silent night my bloody valentine and this those yeah. were yeah like, I liked her. I liked Silent Night. I liked her in that. And I liked her in, you know, I like, she's okay. She, she does all right in this movie, but like one woman cannot save a whole film, I guess. She, you know what I mean? And there's so many flip phones. I mean, it's 2010. There's like a gazillion flip phones. So many. Yeah. Yeah. And in this movie too, like all the violent scenes, uh, like it, it just got, it reeked too much of the, late 2000 early you know 20 aughts torture, torture porn, porn. yeah uh, that i was like oh man and it, this is one of those movies too where like they use some character names and there's a couple fan service moments like when adley's like disco sucks like i was like oh okay that's a nod to a literal line in the original or when um when they kill Ike the same way by pouring Drano down his throat and smashing him with the TV. I was like, okay, there's some fan service there. And the Queenie stuff. Yeah. And the Queenie stuff. But a lot of this really felt like why even call it mother's day? This could have just been like its own movie with like, just very similar, but it could have been a different See, I'm a thing. fan of that. I'm a fan of like a loose remake or like a remake where it really does something extremely different as opposed to trying to make it just like it. Mm-hmm but I still don't find it. It just does, like you said, reek too much of that like late 2000s. I mean, and it makes sense since it's Darren Lynn Boozman. That was like, the other thing. I was like, they're trying to turn this into a Saw movie. Like a lot of the, oh, yeah. like, especially the middle chunk. I was like, okay, now it's a Saw movie. Apparently like, what is this? I would have liked it more. I feel too, when all was said and done, I felt like the beginning just took too much. There's too much plot to get the killers there with the whole like they robbed a bank and the one guy got it and there was extra the extra brother 
he was like pointless to me just to be shot and hurt, you know, and uh, it's like a plot line that could be cut and the movie would not suffer for it. Them robbing the bank and like, this used to be our house and we lost contact. There was just so much happening there that I'm like, it would have been easier for them to just show up randomly, like Manson family style. It's like, why are like the strangers? Why are you doing this? Like the victims have no idea. Like that would have been scarier to me than all of this background information. I, I really love that girl who plays Jessica in True Blood, the redhead. Uh, Debra Ann Wall. Yeah, it's so Debra. Like, I mean, she's yeah. a young actress named Debra. That's so bizarre. She's <laughs> in, in uh, she was in uh, Daredevil, Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix. Okay. Uh, which is a fantastic series. So a fan of her in that. So, yeah, she's awesome. I love her. Love Jamie King. I loved the guy who played Ike. He was a dreamboat. And I, I love Rebecca DeMornay. I mean, I haven't seen Hand That Rocks a Cradle in a gazillion years, but I really love her. I think she's particularly good in this. And I like that she's more of the focus on like the 80s one where I wanted more of that mom. Yeah. Like here, she is the the one, she's the star power in this movie. And at mm -hmm. that, that's like a big like star power but i she really was like i mean when this came out she hadn't done anything in a while and sure it was sort of like oh rebecca de mornay back to her roots and then there's like scenes of her like rocking a baby you know what else it really felt like is like a less successful inside yeah actually now that you say that like down to like you know the loved one getting killed on accident when that guy mm -hmm. shoots I always call her Sue Snell because she was Sue Snell in the TV remake of Carrie mm -hmm. with Angela Bettis. That like really pretty. I think she has like light blue eyes. Mm -hmm. That girl who gets shot in the stomach. Love her. But I'm just oh, she's Sue Snell. I think she's from Battlestar Galactica as well. Okay. And I just had a flashback in it because they get like taped up with um or tied up with Saran wrap. When we did Facts of Life, the lost episode, uh many, many many years ago at the Ringwald Theater, I did a lot of fast costume changes and I would get progressively hotter as it went, especially back in like my using days. I would sweat a lot. I still kind of do, but, mm -hmm. but I was going from like numerous costume changes into like wearing this like long purple dress and I would be sweating so much that like my sweat would just come through the dress <laughs> by the time I got to this and it looked so bad. So we would quickly wrap me in saran wrap <laughs> like i'd get out of one costume and then i just turn around really fast while someone held saran wrap so that i wouldn't <laughs> seep through the dress and i just had flashbacks of it watching. hey you got to do what you got to do for your art <laughs> that's right <laughs> do whatever it takes do what it takes saran wrap has many many uses and um one of the Ashmores is in it. Sean? Sean, Sean Iceman from the X-Men movies. Oh, okay. Right, right. He you was know? everywhere in the early 2000s. He was, and, uh, you know, I honestly don't miss him. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see The Ruins? No. No? Oh, I'm no. going to have to give that to you someday. The book is absolutely amazing, and I'm uh -huh. curious what you think of the movie, but... Okay. But yeah, oh, Sean Ashmore. Yep, he was a thing for a minute. <laughs> he was. And the Kaufmans, at least Lloyd Kaufman has a, a cameo at some point, doesn't he? Did he? I thought so, but I figured you would know. I thought I read that somewhere, and I was thinking, oh, you'll know who he is. Maybe I missed him. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Oh, he, he and Charles Kaufman both had 
cameos as mortgage broker number one and number two. I don't remember where there were mortgage brokers. I don't either. Unless the, I wonder, like, were they in a picture? On TV? Yeah, maybe on TV, or were they in like a picture on the wall when they break into that office? I wonder. I don't know. It was also really random that there were garbage collectors out while a tornado is about to come, a hurricane's on the way, and they're like, yeah. let's go empty the garbages. <laughs> yeah, that, there's that. There's there's a few cliche scenes. The part where the guy gets out of the car, when Ike gets out of the car to kill the cop, and the yes. car is still running, and I'm like, run his ass over now. He got out of the car. Jamie <laughs> King could have jumped into the driver's seat and run him over, but she just watches. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of like horror movie stupidity in this movie. Yes, yes. Or or when it's like just Adley. And I'm like, there's fucking 12 of you in this room. Bum rush him. Uh, and like, you guys will take back control of the situation real quick. Like there's like, none of you are restrained at this moment. Like all of you could. Uh... And I was projecting a little bit because Frank Grillo who plays Jamie King's husband in this mm-hmm. uh, in this flick? Like I'm used to him as an action star now, because uh, he was in the Purge sequels as like the badass oh, yeah. that shows up yeah. and just starts like smoking dudes, and uh, yes. he's a bad guy in like a couple Captain America movies. So I'm like, okay. dude, you could just like whoop their asses with one arm tied behind your back, right? Like I'm used to you as like an action badass now. So it was weird to see him just get taken hostage and when they tell him like no go kill another person he's like okay i better do it you're like what yeah yeah anyway yeah not fantastic um and again i mean you have most of this right a different situation it was home invasion Mm -hmm. so it was fairly well received i think it's kind of middle of the line people didn't absolutely hate it but they didn't absolutely love it either it was just sort of I looked up the uh, like the Rotten Tomatoes was like mediocre for this. So I was like, okay, typical of like the quick, you know, horror movies, like the mid budget horror movies of that time. But the Letterboxd like looks like people love it on Letterboxd. And I was yeah, like, it's like huh. an average of three. And yeah, I think that's pretty high. A 2.8. Yeah, I was like kind of surprised by that. So I was like, huh, weird. I know Letterboxd is like actually based out of like the uk or australia or something like that so i'm like i wonder if this was received better overseas or something mm-hmm. but yeah if they would have cut out all the stuff with the cop cut out like the the rape scene i don't know if that's quite what you call it but i think that yeah. that works they that was cut all out weird those segments in particular i just feel it would have moved a lot quicker we didn't need to go to the atm and have that like and when the party girls show friend. up yeah, yeah like that was so like why doesn't he just shoot them like yeah. that was, uh, and they're so like rude for no reason. Like, <laughs> they're hate, in a rush. Yeah, I hate when movies do that, where it's like random strange. Like I never do that. I guess some people do, but I was like, I never do that to random strangers. I wouldn't show up and be like, "Hey, you dumb bitch! Like, use the ATM faster!" <laughs> like, uh, so weird. So, out of five scorched eardrums, how many <laughs> do you give this? I give this a two. Okay. I give yeah. it a two and a half. All right. All right. So to the slash heap with it. To the slash heap. Is that what we were calling it? Yeah. Yep. The yep. slash the slash heap. Get yep. it out of here. Yeah, two not stinkers, but two not so hot flicks this I week. know. I was like, it's not a at least it's not a one star movie. I'm like, cause the violence <laughs> some of the violence was still pretty cool, you know, and uh mom was great. Uh but 
in general, it was kind of rough to get through, especially for a, like almost two hour movie of this. And I mean, to be fair, I didn't give it to you because it was a great movie, although it was on the list because I hadn't watched it since 2010. So I mean, it had been a good decade. Yeah. But it just worked out that we could have this double feature. Yeah. Which is pretty slick. For Mother's Day. That's right. So write in, tell us what you thought, you know, if you want, scaringasharing yeah. at gmail.com. We'd love I think to know. I think if anybody decides to watch these movies with their mom, let us know. Yeah. Uh, like we want to hear about that. <laughs> and is the 2016 Mother's Day with Julia Roberts better or worse than these? I would <laughs> like either to know of that these. Too. Yeah, tell us. Because I, I don't think I want to watch it. So Yeah. But you know what? I guess if it is as long as it's not two hours long, maybe I'll give it a shot. <laughs> And next week, we have a very special guest. So come back and check us out because it is our 30th episode. And every 10 episodes, we like to have a special guest. So come so back. That's, and that's right, guys. Two special episodes in a row. Yeah. Oh, my God, you guys. Isn't that awesome? And hopefully, you know, I'm like, I'm in the lab, so to speak. I've got some other ideas for some episode specials we can do down the line. So, oh boy, oh boy. So keep keep sharing the scares, my friends. That's because scaring is sharing, my friends. And check out all the other shows on the Planet Ant Multiverse of Podcasts. Yes, Detroit Strange, Homophilia. Uh, there's a new one all about Daft Punk called Alive 2021, a Daft Punk podcast. And it there's, is just fucking going through the roof. People are going crazy about this podcast. There's there's sandwich talk. Yeah. There's dish of the day. There's all sorts of things, y'all. And, mad and, women, if you love Mad Men. I mean, she's good. There's so much going on. So much, people. Get on the Discord. Join us for Strange Cinema Saturdays that uh, our good friend Mike McGettigan puts on. It's a blast. So yes, and hail Paymon. Long live the new flesh. Uh, and watch more motherfucking scary movies, people. Yep, we'll scare you next week. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.